Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Oh, man, we're ushering in a new era here at the pod. I don't know why my voice just cracked like that. Sorry, y'all. All right, so I'm no longer going to be a solo star. We're creating a dynamic duo. I'm going to share the ball, and I'm so excited to do it because my new teammate was a flat-out baller in his time, still is, and he's just he's good people. I only keep good people around me. We're going to meet him in a second, but first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three and D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. All right, drum roll at home, bang on something. Here we are, my new co-host, my good friend, my buddy, he's like my little brother. Uh, King McClure is joining the team. King, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you as a part of Pure Hoops Media. Uh, You're here, my guy. Hey, I'm here, and I'm surprised that you're actually passing the ball because I heard you don't pass back in your days at Georgetown. That's just what I heard. (laughs) I could be wrong. I might have heard wrong, but that's just what I heard. Wow. But I thank you. I'm thankful for this opportunity of you passing the ball to me. So this thank you. Is like a family relationship. Like your first show, your first line, you cover with the shots. But it's cool. It's fine. I can handle it. I'm a big girl. Um, okay, so I know you. You're fantastic. You are my colleague at ESPN as an analyst this season. You were both at games and in studio for uh college basketball live or the set in raps on Saturday night, right? It was uh, both. Okay, cool. college basketball life. Yeah. All right, so I know these things, but tell our audience, our listeners, uh, about you. Man, first and foremost, my name is King McClure. I end up going to Baylor University, one of the greatest institutions out there in America, a sports powerhouse. Look it up, do your number, do research. The numbers don't lie. Um, I end up graduating from Baylor in four years or three years. I end up getting my degree in health kinesiology minor communications, had a heart disease. So I didn't go play professionally. Got red flagged by every NBA team. Didn't want to go overseas. I had a daughter who's now two. She's the love of my life. And I decided somehow that I just wanted to jump on TV and and get into the broadcasting world. And just through the grace of God and my connections, I was able to do it. I was able to make it, go to the symposium through ESPN. They offered me a contract. I meet Monica in the airport, and there's a wrap. I'm here. <laughs> Literally in the airport. I was like, yo, you going to back to D.C.? And then <laughs> we started talking from there, and it was great. <laughs> it was fantastic. All right, so um, that was a really 
brief synopsis. I just want everybody on the pod to know that ESPN loves him and is so excited about King. And he had this whole segment ready to pitch, like the new kid with the apple for the teacher at the symposium. Like, eh. yeah. it's like, I'm not being a hater. It was, it was innovative. It was fresh. That's exactly what we need. Um, but the thing that unites us here in this space is the game. So tell us about your love story with the game of basketball. When did you start playing? When I started playing, I was about five years old. Uh, my dad bought me a goal that that dinged every time you 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 put the ball in, and my dad said he I'd be up all night until they put me down, just dinging it, and they used to get annoyed with it. But he knew ever since then that <laughs> that I'd be a baller, and that's what ended up happening. So I ended up playing at AAU, ended up um, you know playing from five all the way up until I guess college, or I still play actually. I still can play. I, I can still oh, all those I, who doubters. I'll outshoot you. No. Wait, you, you can still play? I can sit. Wow. Don't let these long nails fool you. <laughs> I can still outshoot you. I don't know about that, but we could try. We, we, we could test this out, put it out there for people to see. Soon as it's the okay. road. But, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I've been playing ever since then. I mean, I fell in love with the game at an early age. Just the competition. Like, that's my biggest thing. I love to compete. I just love the fast pace, the the competition, the skill, the strategy that goes along with the game. And the older I got, the more I fell in love with it because I started to understand on a deeper level and started to know uh, more. And the the more I you know analyze and do this for ESPN, the more I'm starting to you know love different aspects. I'm starting to watch a lot more film and and love watching film, breaking down players and. Then I translate that and teach kids on the court how to play how to play the game and share my love and passion for the game with them. But I'm definitely basketball is my lover. Basketball is your lover. So you're dating Spalding. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Spalding is everybody's first love. All right, so we have a great guest coming up today. But before we get to that, we got to do the classic basketball thing. Your goat right now today, Ooh. July. First, we're recording this pod on a Wednesday, 2020. The GOAT argument comes up. Who are you going to and you don't want to hear nothing about it? So, before the last dance, I would have said Kobe. After okay. the last dance, I have to go with Mike. It's just, it's, it's not an argument. I don't want to hear nothing about LeBron. I don't want to hear any comparison. There's no argument. It's, it's Michael Jordan. Why? Because the things that he did, the way that he won championships, the way that he was not, although Scotty Pippen was good, he was not carried by Scotty. I feel like LeBron in certain scenarios when he got with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, two other Hall of Famers okay. that got him his rings and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, Le- LeBron, He, I'm not going to say LeBron was carried because LeBron is great and LeBron carried, definitely carried those things. But... I heard some crazy stat like LeBron has been to nine finals, finals yeah. and only mm-hmm. won three. And Michael Jordan went to six and won, I think, all six. Yeah. Pretty sure. Don't quote me. Pretty sure. I'm not I'm not that old. But Bruce is knowledgeable. He's nodding. You're right. Good job, King. <laughs> yeah. So he went six for six, three for nine. Just he, it's just a whole nother level. Like it's just it's different. And then the era back then when you watch teams. They have to come up with the Jordan rules. Like how the Pistons literally had to like hurt this man, try to kill this man when he went to the wreck. Like literally, I don't know if I could have taken it, but the way that he was able to still kill them and bust them year after year, 
Well, except that one year. But still, when he came back with Scotty, that was pretty impressive. But you know Michael, Michael Jordan is undeniably the GOAT. Well, all right then. Heard it here first from King McClure, his GOAT. <laughs> Not mad at that. Uh, so on the MJK, let me just tell y'all, when we move this podcast into video, because that's coming as Pure Hoops, our family continues to grow. Don't get it twisted on King. This brother not only hoops, analyzes, but will dress it down, okay? Because when he had on <laughs> under his sport coat at the ESPN symposium, I was like, who, who is this young man? Pulling up like he was walking through the tunnel headed to an NBA game. So anyway, on the note of wardrobe, your favorite bar nine Jays. Favorite bar nine Jays. Um, I think... I don't know. For some reason, I really like those Dior ones. Okay, I meant just the numbers. I didn't mean designer, but oh, uh, Dior, <laughs> Dior, Christian Dior ones. And I just meant the shoot, the number. I have, oh, I have to go either ones or elevens. Those or are elevens. Well, I really like what? Which one? I get them mixed up. Do I like threes or fours? I think I like threes. Um, threes kind of like skater shoes. They like more like skater, and fours no. have like. They're kind of like the they're kind of like the skater shoes, but they have like a, a sh- kind of not a strap, but something on the side. What's the cement one? I think I like fours. Fours are the, the cement. Ones. No, the cement are threes. Cement threes. Okay, okay so the, those are the ones I like too. Okay, anyway, yeah, right. yeah, I like those. We could go down a whole rabbit hole on how MJ is King's go and the fashion that he also produced, but we've got another fantastic part of the pod coming up today. Can't wait to get into this conversation. Live basketball is coming, people. That was dope. <laughs> The basketball tournament, also known as TBT, is a single elimination winner-take-all tournament in its seventh year of competition. Wow, I can't believe it's already seven years old. All right, this year there will be 24 teams in the tournament with the winning team taking home a cool $1 million cash prize. TBT will run from the 4th of July through the 14th with all of these games being broadcast on ESPN or ESPN2. The first game is 3 p.m., Eastern on Saturday the 4th. In the previous seasons, the games were played at multiple venues, but this year will definitely be different with all the games being played at Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. The reason why, of course, everybody knows COVID-19 pandemic and the need to provide a safe and virus-free setting for the tournament. We're going to put an asterisk by that, King. I can't wait to talk about that specifically with our guests. (laughs) Um, one of the endless, speaking of guests, he's going to be working the games for ESPN. He's a friend of mine, y'all. We go back to a now defunct sports network when we first met and realized that we were people, uh, birds of the same feather, shall I say, that flock together. My guy, Tim Scarborough, he's an analyst for ESPN Stadium, a former Liberty men's basketball standout and assistant coach. He's going to join us now to talk some TBT on buckets, boards, and blocks. Tim, my guy, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. What is up? Thanks. What's up, King? What's up, Monica? Happy to be here. We're so glad to have you on. Yeah, super glad. All right. So we mentioned in our intro, as King pointed out, the TBT is proceeding this year, Scar, uh, in the midst of a pandemic. It will be our first basketball period since March 11th. Am I right, King, Bruce? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's the first, yeah, first live tournament, yeah. Um, so off the break, yep. a week ago, Scar, I heard an interview of, I can't remember his name, but one of the guys from Best Virginia who tested positive and that whole team pulled out. 
So talk to me about, mm. I mean, they are comfortable. This thing is moving forward. I mean, from your seat, having been in touch with production folks, being a part of the team, yeah. what has been impressive about this? What makes you comfortable moving forward? So there, there's a lot of protocols in place, Monica. So many, in fact, that the NBA is actually looking very closely at what's going to take place in the next 10 days. And then they're going to try to replicate what TBT is doing. So um, to begin, every player who was qualified to play had to take tests at home. Um, and they had to pass two tests at home. Then when they get to the facility, they had to go through a checkpoint, check their temperature, then take a test in their room that's administered by a single person. And in the 24 hours that they're waiting for that test result to come back, that person, that player can't leave the room. So what you're thinking, think about this now, 24 teams, um, 12 personnel, usually nine to 10 roster players, a coach and a GM, right? They're only letting 12 in. So you can divide that. If you got 10 coaches and two players, you're stupid, but that's how it's going to be. Only 12 people. So when, when once you pass that gate, that 24 hours, you get your result. If you're positive, you get to retest. If you're if you're negative, then you're good. Um, after two days, you're allowed to get together as a team and practice. Go from your room to the practice court and back to your room. And you have to leave the floor. They have to sanitize the whole gym. And then the next team's coming. The team comes in. So your team, you're only going to be with your dudes the whole time unless you're playing against another mm. team. So it is, it is rigid. It is firm. If you test positive, they're going to give you a second test. You know, because the test isn't 100% reliable, to be honest. But if you if you test positive two or three times, you're gone. And usually, depending on at what stage of the testing, you, you test positive, your whole team could be gone. And as you alluded to earlier, Monica, we already lost one team, that West Virginia team called Best Virginia. It was a really good team, too. It's a shame. Um, they, they're gone. They got replaced by Jimmy V. And um, let's just say they might not be the only team that gets gets the boot <laughs> before we get here this weekend. So, so yeah. yeah. Here's my thing. Here's my question. Let's just say you said the tests aren't 100% accurate. So, right. if two teams are playing, and let's just say one of the team's best players has coronavirus, and he's exposed now the other team and their team, what happens then? So that is the that's the very scenario king that they're trying to avoid, which is why you have to be tested before you get on the court. You can pass all those gates, okay? Yeah. But you still have to pass a test the day you get on the court. So mm-hmm. theoretically, everybody who gets to the court, including the referees, mm-hmm. um, will have been tested that day, and in theory, probably does not have the virus. But mm-hmm. again, the virus test is a snapshot, right? You, yeah. can, you can get you can test negative, walk out the door, touch something that is is has the virus on it, touch your face, and now you have the virus. But you've tested negative, so yeah, yeah it, 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 there is the logistics of TBT, as you know, Monica, are very stringent anyway. You know, it's a lot of coordination, a lot of people trying to get things done. Now, trying to do it in a pandemic, and it's never been done this way before. They are literally creating the template. It's almost impossible, man, but they're 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 figuring it out. I think it's going to happen. I think we're going to pull it off. When you think about what the NBA, there is no way that this championship, regardless of 
who wins it will not have an asterisk next to it. There's just yeah. too many variables. And and to me, I, I know how hard it is to win championships. And you know, you play in California yeah. or Baylor. So you understand um, the winning scenario, regardless, you, you still got to go out there and perform on the floor. Yeah. But but as far as fans are concerned, you know, just think about this. You get in the game five or game six, and then you lose a key player on one of those teams to coronavirus. Yeah. You know, it, it's the same with injuries. It happens in the, ter- you know, last year in the NBA finals, Klay Thompson got hurt, KD got hurt, but yet no one's putting an asterisk next to the win for Toronto, right? Because that's mm-hmm. life. But this is a unique situation. It's a virus that's taking people out at a moment's notice. So therefore, you know, we, you know, you just don't know, man. It's just going to, it's so many variables. I'm really hoping we get through the 10 days, but I'm really hoping the NBA can get through the four months that they're trying to do this. That's crazy. Ooh, that's a whole nother conversation. Cause I don't know <laughs> how they're going to do that. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to pull that off. I want to go back though. You mentioned everybody that's going to be on the floor being tested. Myself, yeah. King, you, we're all analysts. So what's the deal for you as an analyst? What's the plan with you guys? Man, there's so many moving parts right now. And my partner, Matt Martucci, who you know very well, Monica, mm-hmm. he and I, we, we're on the phone with with the TBT guys who, who give us the rosters. And we're like, is this guy, did he make it through? Did they make it through? We're just trying to make sure we get our roster tight. And it's going to be a conversation that continues all the way to game time. Honestly, but really the first few rounds are kind of like that anyway, and under normal circumstances, because the reality is, as we just talked about coordinating and logistically speaking, not just TBT, but the GMs of these teams, you know, it's one thing to put your team on paper. I got my guy, I got this guy, I got that guy. And then the last minute, the guy's got a wedding. Oh, uh, my wife went into labor. Um, I can't leave the state for whatever reason, you know, all kinds of variables. So you end up with not the same roster that we had on paper. So we'll be checking those rosters right up until the point we tip it up on Saturday at, I believe, 3 p.m. Eastern. Man. It's, so I mean, with, 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 with all the wrinkles in the TBT, you know, I know that they, they always do it a little differently. And then this year, with all the corona, it's a little different. Are there any new wrinkles as far as gameplay that we can expect? Well, as you know, you know, the Elam ending is something that they started in the TBT and was implemented in the NBA for the All-Star game. If people think back, they turned the clock off at the end of the, uh, near the end of the fourth quarter, and they played to a target score. That's a that's a unique thing to TBT, and they were the first to do it. Nick Elam, who uh, works with the TBT, gave them that idea. They implemented it, um, and it really does change the way you approach a basketball game. Because for those that don't know, uh, when they turn that clock off, when you think about it, you know, you, you're going to eliminate all the fouling to stop the clock because that's unnecessary now. And you're going to eliminate taking uh, late shots in the shot clock because the, even with the league, you still got to play offense because you still have points to get to get to the target before the other team does, right? So in theory, it, it works out great. I think the only negative we've seen from it really is that sometimes the games end on a free throw. You know, but every game ends on a made bucket. And that's what makes TBT very unique. And they've done a couple of other things over the years, like the uh, the bracket ceremony. When you win, you get to advance your team up on the bracket, the Mr. Miyagi bracket from the Karate Kid, that they, the giant bracket they put up. The NCAA has developed that. Yeah, yeah. So TBT has been really, really innovative in what they've done in terms of the approach to basketball. 
Um, I don't expect they'll do. I, I, I got the rule thing printed out over here. I need to read it, but I don't think there's going to be any major changes um, to to the whole process. Um, you get involved with TBT from the beginning, Scott? Not the beginning. So I believe I was there the second or the third year. I can't remember. So the first year, the first year was almost like, you know, it was it was a non-existent. It was a non-factor. I think it was 2015. 14. Um, it was probably 2014. Okay, so it was, um, you know, it, it was scrapping to get teams together, you know. Um, and I think the pot was 500,000. And um, the Notre Dame alumni team ended up winning that. Then the next year it was a million. I think I came uh, the first year it was two million. So um, I, I, I can say this though, Monica, I'm the first person to call it a, a, a Elam ending scenario basketball game in Philadelphia at 9 a.m. in a jamboree. They had a jamboree kind of a play-in tournament to get into the, in the, um, the TBT. 16 teams and the top four teams from that weekend got to advance. And they used the Elam ending and they kind of sprung it on them. So it was kind of funny because most of the coaches and players didn't even know they were doing it. So they were like, what, what's what? going on? <laughs> what we got to do? How, how do we win the game? <laughs> so it was a lot of confusion, but it ended up being a really uh, good thing, obviously. And, and TBT has kept it going since then. All right. So you weren't necessarily there since the inception, but you definitely literally had a front row seat for the bulk yes, of this seven year run. Why do you yeah. think the TBT has become so popular? Um, I think it starts with the players. Um, the level of play has gone up each year. The the people who have been attracted to TBT, when you look at overseas elite, they won four straight. They got upset last year by that Carmen's crew, Ohio mm -hmm. State alumni team. And so all they did was go out and get Jared Jack <laughs> and Joe Johnson. Joe, you know, ISO Joe. So, and they brought back pretty much everybody from last year's team. So that gives you an idea. Then you got guys like Floyd Mayweather, who was putting a team together, a bunch of all-stars, basically Jimmer Fredette's team, but he's added a few people. And remember, you, everybody's playing for that one fee of $2 million, but there's no rules that state you can't pay players to play for you to try to win that $2 million. So I don't have any inside information, but... As we know, Floyd Mayweather's nickname is Money, and uh, let's just say he's not afraid to throw it around. So don't so, be surprised if even the end of this week he'll add some players. So now, 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 I'm <laughs> bothered. I'm not even going to lie. Why? Well, okay, because when it started for me, the thing that was most attractive about it was it was guys who we didn't get a chance to follow in the pros, right? Like, right. so for me, yeah. growing up as a college basketball purist lover, it was like, oh, cool. Um, there's dude from, I can't think of his last name, but Scott, remember Scotty that played at Villanova that was from this Yeah, state? Scotty Reynolds, that's my yeah. dude. Yeah, like, cool, there's Scotty Reynolds. Like, there's so-and-so who I haven't seen in a few years. Like, we're back on track. Like, I remember when my classmates from Georgetown were trying to put a team together. Yeah. Now, like, Joe Johnson don't even have no college affiliation. <laughs> that, that, that makes it more interesting, though. Right, King. Yeah. I'm with you, bro. Listen, I understand what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying, Monica, because, you know, you, you get to see kind of a college fantasy. You know, guys that played eight years ago are playing with guys who graduated maybe last year or two years ago, and you get the best of, of the most recent guys together and, and play for school pride. Well, here's the reality. Carmen's crew was the first alumni team to win it since the first year. So okay. that alumni thing isn't necessarily the way to go. 
you know, and you think about the teams that have gotten to the finals, even Everline Drive is a bunch of guys who started in 2015, and they just were a few, a bunch of guys, like you said, just kind of getting together as friends. And then they started going out and getting ringers, and they got themselves to the championship game a few years ago. The Challenge ALS team, you know, they got a, they got five dudes that played the NBA at one point, you know. So I like it because of that, um, the talent level. And then you talk about the intensity. Seth Greenberg and I on his podcast yesterday were talking about that. The intensity level from the moment they throw it up is so high, and people are going to be almost surprised, even basketball yeah. people who watch basketball all the time, they're going to be surprised at how hard and how skilled the, um, the guys play. From the so, but, okay, so here's my thing, though. Part of me believed in the beginning, and even though those teams that won were guys that were paid handsomely overseas, part of me believed that the appeal was the money. But if you start bringing in a bunch of ringers and ex-NBA, uh-huh. uh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're too. not going to play as hard. They don't have much to play for. Yeah. Well, but that's on you, right? You got to you got to put a team together that you know guys are going to give you all they got. And if you got multimillionaire, you got too many multimillionaires out there, and you get down by ten points, and they look at their bank account and say, you know what, I really don't need this two million dollars. So that's on you. You had to make sure you put together the right combination of players. It's not as easy as it th- as you think it would be. Mm. So, with that being said, would you say overseas elite is one of the favorites? Knowing that they have multi-millionaires on their squad, yeah. they don't really need the money. So they might not be playing <clears throat> as hard. They might just want to get some cardio. So knowing that. What, think what, about what this, think? though, King. They're all multi-millionaires because as a group, they've won $7 million in TBT. So That's and they keep coming back. <laughs> and they're sharing it, right, Monica? Right. That's a lot of pieces of pie, right? <laughs> but it's still that's a pretty good piece of pie. I would love to have a piece of that pie. But you know, so, so it's not about necessarily, you know, motivation. And again, these guys are aren't monet- if they were monetarily motivated, the NBA would be terrible. Obviously, mm-hmm. the guys they, they think about their money. And they want to get their money off the court. But when they take the floor, they're trying to win. These guys are competitors. This is why they've gotten themselves to that elite level. That's why I never played pro basketball. <laughs> Who are the top two teams in your opinion? Well, I am one of the experts who get to pick every year. And uh, this year, I picked Challenge ALS. Um, they have added Casper Ware, uh, NBA guy, former NBA guy, played with the 76ers. Point guard. He played with them a few years ago. Um, uh, Sean Marshall, the guy who put the team together, they play for um, raising money for um, for the ALS Foundation, and they actually wear names on the back of their jerseys of of real life people who have suffered or are suffering from ALS. And so they're always motivated. They got to the I think it was the second year um, that Overseas Elite of their four straight um, challenge ALS put them in overtime. Um, now they've lost a couple of big guys to other teams, but they've added some, some pieces. So I think them obviously overseas elite, um, Carmen's crew, they're, they're the defending champions and all the games will be played in Columbus. Now there won't be any fans there, but you know, it's still gotta be a bit of a home court advantage for them. So I think those three teams are the teams to look for. People will talk about Bayheim's army. They've had the same kind of core group with McCullough and, uh, Trish and some of those guys. Uh, Nichols, um, some NBA guys, but I, I just don't think with that zone that that Beheim, uh puts together, I don't think you can beat pros with that kind of defense. And they usually end up getting out of it. Usually in the game that they lose, 
it's because the other teams got pros and they they just kill that zone and they end up getting out of it and trying to go man to man, but it's always too late. So I, I don't I don't believe in that Bayheim's Army team. Hopefully, those Syracuse fans are listening right now. But um, but um, but, but some but some people are some people are picking them to go far. I, I'm not. Floyd Mayweather's team, obviously TMT with the with the guys that they're putting together. So there's definitely a lot of talent. And again, this is a truncated tournament, only 24 teams. So it's usually 64. So the, the here's another dynamic that we need to talk about, guys. After they announced the bracket a couple of weeks ago when we did a bracket show, um, it was Seth Greenberg, me, Fran Fischilla, a kid named Chris Vosters, who to me is the next Bob Costas, a great young talent. But we did a nice bracket show. And one of the things we talked about was at the end of this bracket show, there's going to be team number 25, 26, 27 with really good talent that I'm going to get on the phone and try to put together a perfect team. Start calling those guys from Gale Nation, um, who had three guys who scored 2,000 points in their career, Steve Burt, A.J. English, Scott Machado, you know. And I know uh, two of those guys got picked up, I believe, by other teams. So that's what we, we found out. Imagine if the NBA could do that. Think about this. 22 teams are going to Orlando. Then, you know, they play those seven or eight games and you got your 16 teams. Wouldn't it be great if like a team like Atlanta didn't make it, but but Trey Young got to jump on someone's roster for the playoffs? No! Come no! on, America! Come on! Oh, no, yeah, I, I'm with you, Tim. That, that would be interesting. Like bringing that Steph Curry or, or Clay Thompson. So oh what? my goodness. Yeah. Oh my okay. gosh. All right. I forgot. Yeah. Go to state. Oh man. So, okay. Yes. So then do you really want this year's title not to count because we just got to play pickup? It's already not going to count, Monica. <laughs> As we just talked about people, whoever wins it, that people, especially if LeBron wins it, they're going to find a way to poo poo yeah. that championship. Oh. Okay, so let's have some fun with it. <laughs> I, I agree with you on having some fun potentially in changing the format, but I don't think it's the NBA. I don't think you can go and pick up guys because whether Steph Curry will vocalize it himself or not, I'm sure he's very content not playing in the midst of COVID with three kids at home under the age of, what, seven? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, yeah. I have been on my high horse in this entire process, whether we talk NBA, NFL, MLB, has been we have to acknowledge our athletes as entire beings and we can't say, woo, go Kevin Love. We love this idea of everybody's going through something. And then ask them to put the real risks involved with COVID in the back of their mind to go play basketball. Now, I know that that's just a small sliver of the entire pie. It's more than just about being entertainment. There's economics involved, both for them, the league, and society at large. But we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But what I will say <laughs> is that there's an asterisk in regards to this champ right now and maybe for like the next two years and maybe because 2020 is so succinct but I don't think when we look at the annals of history years from now like it'll be whoever got the 2020 title and we'll move on like listen people still mm -hmm. kind of poo-poo Tim Duncan's first championship with David Robinson you it was 1999 no I don't <laughs> I, I, I know how hard it is to do these things so I would never poo-poo someone's championship but the reality is in the in the 24 hour, everybody, and I do mean everybody has an opinion these days because of social media. There are a great deal of people who are going to put an asterisk next to this championship, regardless of who wins it. And again, if LeBron or somebody like that wins it, they're really going to say it. Because remember before the NBA stopped, um, the Lakers were starting to play better than the Clippers, but most of the year the Clippers were better. So if one of them 
ends up winning, people are going to say, well, all that other team was, was, was playing better before COVID. And now they, you know, if they, if it wasn't for that, so, you know, it's going to happen. So again, King is a man that's, that's progressive <laughs> and willing to make changes. Monica, with your rigid <laughs> self, you don't want to have this. Hey, this year is already a wash. Why not do some things? Let's shake it up a bit. Come hey, on. I already don't like having King as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dude right there. Come on. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I know. I, I can't get with that. I think y'all are reaching a little bit too much. And then, because now if we get into the minutia of this, who will pay Steph Curry? And like, and, and that's why that's why it won't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's why it won't happen. The money is just out of control. You couldn't do it. Too but much. it was a fan. It's a fantasy. I mean, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's your fantasy could be fulfilled next year when the Olympics actually get played. So you'll just go with that version of it. Okay. Your uh, that, that's mm -hmm. that's fair. That's fair. There you so go. question for you, Tim. All right. What about my boys at Team Hardfire? How far do you think uh, they're gonna go? The Baylor boys. Ah, you were fishing you know for that earlier, right? I didn't. You know I didn't I bring them up. There. I was yeah. listening for it, but you didn't, you didn't say it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sorry to say I got them going out pretty early <laughs> in the tournament. But, hey, the reality is I don't ever pick these things right. So me not yeah. picking them, maybe your boys have a chance. But they got Homer Drew coaching from what I understand. So, um, yes, you know, Scott Drew's father, Valparaiso's former head coach. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I, they have a chance, as good a chance as anybody. Is, is that a good answer or no? <laughs> I just don't know why we didn't put together a full Baylor team and include oh, like no. Pierre Jackson, Brady Heslip. Like I don't know, no offense How about to you? other guys. Yeah, me too. Like I was, I was yeah. supposed to play, but they told me late. So I don't know why we didn't put together a full Baylor team. But we got no offense to the other guys, but four other guys. I don't, I don't even know who they are. <laughs> but man, like, I don't know why we did that. Like I, and then they want to say it's the Baylor team. Like, no, it's that's not again. Baylor. Again, though, man, logistically, it is really hard talking to these GMs, man. Some of them, you know, they all work full time jobs and they do other things. And then you're trying to corral all these guys. They're overseas. Half of them, you're trying to put yeah. back. They have prior commitments. And I'm not I'm not talking about in a COVID situation, but a normal situation. So, you know, putting those teams together on paper is one thing, but getting everybody to show up to the arena is a total different story. And then you talk about if you put too many guys on, um, you have to start paying TBT to add guys to your roster. So there's a lot of variables. Oh, and that's why teams don't – like Kentucky has had a team the last couple of years, and they've been first round – they lost to a Division three team last year in, in the TBT. So um, a team literally called D3, they had a Division three team, and they beat the Kentucky team. So um, – and you're right, though. I wish more guys would play with their schools. Yeah. Um, because there's guys on this big X team. <laughs> I said that. So now King said I not wish it. <laughs> we boys, we boys. Well, I said I wish it, but it doesn't ever happen because, you know, guys start being loyal to, you know, guys they play with in the pros because they can, yeah. they, they can rely on those guys because, again, it's all or nothing. So when you start thinking about the winning scenario, it's like, yo, you're my boy but you only averaged like seven points a game when we were in, you know, at Baylor. So, you know, I'm going with this guy who's dropping 20 in Italy each night. So that's what ends up happening. But it's a fun thing, man. I'm just really glad I get to be a part of it. I, I wasn't really expecting to be um, with, with the truncated tournament. So um, a testament to TBT for giving me this opportunity.
Loyalty is real. I'm super proud of that. All right, Tim. So then the silver lining, you guys are going to be the first live televised sport back in the pandemic. What do you think that this could do potentially for the brand and the growth of the TBT? Oh, it's got to have an exponential growth. When you talk about that bracket show we did online, okay? I don't know what kind of numbers you guys are doing on this podcast, but we had 150,000 unique views of our bracket online, okay? So we're expecting worldwide numbers to come in uh, domestically and worldwide because there's 197 countries that'll be watching this face on Saturday and Sunday, which is remarkable. I mean, that's just daunting to think about. 197 countries, all the different languages will be translated, obviously, because I don't speak all those different languages. I'll just be speaking English. But they, um, they, they, this thing is going to be huge. It's going to be eyes from everywhere watching this because there's, like, as you guys talked about, there's nothing else going on as far as team sports is concerned, you know? You can only watch so much cornhole on ESPN before you say, hey, give me some basketball, some football, something. So... Um, it's a great opportunity. I just hope everybody stays healthy and that we finish the thing. Because it would be a shame to get five or six days into this and then have a bunch of guys test positive. That could be a real – that could be a negative um, black mm-hmm. eye to the to the TBT. But right now, things are looking pretty good. They, they have the attention of the entire world. So um, they're going to put on a good show. So, Tim, Tim and Monica, I, I have a question for you. As two African-Americans in this world, I think you know where I might be going with this. Do you think that the TBT and the NBA is a distraction from what is going on in our society as far as social injustices? Want me to go first? I'll go first. So my, my thoughts about that are when you have a platform, regardless mm-hmm. of that platform, you think about Six year, four years ago, when Colin Kaepernick decided he was going to protest the national anthem, he didn't tell anybody. If you if you remember, all he did was he sat down during the anthem. Okay, and now all, all these people are policing the anthem. Like you, we all know that before Ka- Kaepernick, people disrespected the heck out of that thing. They still do. Yeah. Guys, if you ever at a, a sporting event, there's people walking around on on the perimeter. You know buying snacks nobody stops takes their hat off put their hand over their heart you know if they're out there and then even throughout the people who are in the building in the in the arena watching the person sing is always people yelling stuff you know so now they want to police that thing but remember Kaepernick started taking a knee because he wanted to show some respect for the national anthem so the narrative got changed but he still had a platform we all know who Colin Kaepernick is now so to me, I think this is an opportunity for those players who will have everyone in the world watching them to take the opportunity to, as they talk about their sport, talk about their sport, but then say, hey, by the way, uh, justice for Breonna Taylor. Something, you know, you could just throw something in there and get people thinking about what's going on in this world and just just refocus even for a second back to what the reality is and then get back to your sport. I, I see nothing wrong with doing that. In fact, you know, I went to Liberty. You guys know that Christian school. There's plenty of times where you see, you know, the Tim Tebow's of this world share their faith and then have their uh, say with their interview. So why can't you do that with social justice as well? Right. 
I think that's a smart answer, Tim. You're right. Because if Colin Kaepernick was just kneeling every time he heard the anthem in the street, it doesn't pick up any traction at all. It does not. So I think you're right about that. And I think for me, in this moment in 2020, my concern has been, I mentioned it to you guys, an athlete's health holistically, mind, body, and spirit. Mm. So to me, if you can focus in and go and play, then kudos to you and use your platform toward those causes, that can be very powerful. I think for me in this conversation, I just found myself most irritated with the people that flippantly tossed off Kyrie's suggestion as if it didn't have any weight. Because I yeah, thought I it was a very thoughtful yeah. approach. Mm-hmm. Because if pandemics happen every 100 years, we will not get a moment where the country as a whole is captivated and it's turning its eyes and ears to this issue yeah. that is affected Black people so so often. But I agree with you. I think the platform matters. Um, the irony, though, is not lost on me, especially when we talk NBA. Master Tavestin, who's someone that we've had on this pod, the writer at Bleacher Report, um, who does incredible stuff with his, I forgot what he calls it, but he has the NFL guys come hang out and play pool. Um, but his tweet the other day was so eerie to me. And he was like, it's ironic that Black bodies will be the first playing mm. pandemic on courts that say Black Lives Matter, right? Mm. Yeah. He'll be lying, y'all. Like, I will be lying, especially on the collegiate level, if I have not sat back and thought, if football and basketball were not predominantly black folks, would they be back on campus right now? Like that has crossed mm. my mind. Oh yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's something to that. No, for sure. I mean, I I definitely agree with both of you guys. Uh but here here's my thing with the NBA. Do you think that if the NBA players were to not play, you don't do you think that that would be a bigger like that, they would take a bigger stand by doing it that way, as opposed to maybe putting Black Lives Matter on the court or um, putting, you know, social injustice, racial things on the back of their jersey. Like, would you would you think that that would be a bigger headline as far as them not them not playing, as opposed to them playing but trying to do it another way? Yeah. So with with that, that's just now we're talking about the how, right? Mm-hmm. And the how. Mm-hmm is just as important as why you're doing it or almost as important because um, that's why I said there, take the floor and then you got everybody watching. Now you can say what you want to say, because let's say they don't um, play this year and they decide to start dedicating time and energy to social justice causes. It's just going to be like everything else. These guys already do a whole lot in the communities, but yeah. we don't see it. We yeah. don't see it. Yeah. But unless unless someone points it out, they do it. They spend millions of dollars. Or many of these guys have foundations and they're giving back to their communities that they came from and the communities that they play in. So I think mm-hmm. it, you would be diminishing your message if you just say, "All right, we weren't going to play. We're not going to play." So most people don't even know you were coming back anyway until you come back because everyone doesn't follow sports as closely as we all do. So if they say, yeah. oh, we're not playing, it's really not going to um, impact a lot of other people who are doing so many other things. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. the other part of that, though, too, I obviously have my small soapbox and my primary concern as we will move forward. But I think the money is real. And just because our salaries will never have as many zeros. <laughs> Don't say never. Don't say never. Right now, our salaries don't yeah. have as many zeros. It doesn't mean... Everything is relative, right? Like my salary affords me my life, their salary affords them their life, and whoever else they're supporting. 
So there is an economic press. Just because a million, whatever, whatever seems far off to me doesn't mean that they don't need to endure some discomfort in terms of maintaining their lifestyle and what they um, have created and built around themselves. So there's a lot that goes into this. I just, my biggest ask is that people have thoughtful conversations and leave room for disagreeing because there is no one size fits all answer as we move through this. Uh, yes, that, that that is very, that's very true. There's there's no one right way to do it. And, that, and that's what I said in 2016 with Kaepernick. You know, again, you know, I have a lot of conservative friends, some of people, some do I don't, talk to anymore because of 2016, honestly, the election and some of the other things, you know, but I, the one thing I always told them is you don't have a right to tell someone else how to, how they should go about protesting. So yeah. we don't, we can't tell anyone how they protest. every individual, or if they want to belong to an organization, they come up with it collectively, but you have to decide how you protest. No one else can dictate that for you as long as it's peaceful. Okay, you got any more questions for our guy, Tim? Mm-hmm. Right. He's trying uh, to get me to pick Baylor this weekend. I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is how we typically... Tim, you, this is your first time on my pod. Well, on yeah. my pod King now. All right. So this is how we end Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. All right. And we're going to keep this for you focused to the TBT because that is your wheelhouse of expertise. Okay. You get to pick one, just one of these things. You don't have to give me all three unless you're feeling thoughtful and you got them ready to roll. Okay. So will you give me a bucket, which is the A++ thing that you're looking forward to, that you love, give me more of this thing. Or you could give me a board, which is something that doesn't look so great at the first glance, but has redeeming qualities, think like a very timely rebound, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can give me a block, which is the thing that you want Never to see any more of Matumbo finger wag. Get that out of here. <laughs> okay. Your category is um, the TPT, and you can yeah. pick whichever one you want to give us. Okay. Um, well, how about a bucket? Okay. Seeing a rematch of Overseas Elite and Carmen's crew, I think that would be something special because, again, Carmen's crew is the only team to ever beat them. They won 29 games before finally losing in the semifinals last year. The way the brackets uh, fall out, those two teams couldn't meet in the final game, and this time it will be in Columbus, a literal home court advantage for the Carmen's crew group. That would be my bucket. Um, I don't know if I could give you a block, but I can give you a board, I think. So a board is a timely, a, a timely play. Yeah. Listen, TBT happening right now after all these months of not doing anything in terms of team sports and I get to do it. That's that's a timely board right there. <laughs> Big time timely board. Last year, um, Carmen's crew upset overseas elite in Chicago, right? They did. Yep. You were there, right? Yeah, I was there. You, were, you, were, you were sitting with me. <laughs> yeah, 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 that was a great game. That was a good game. Yeah, you you you've done a lot since last summer, though. You probably can't even remember. <laughs> they run together. Um, all right, Scar. Well, we like that bl- bucket for sure. Um, yeah. That bucket also indicates that we believe we will get all the way to that point in this tournament safely. So we Thank all are looking for that. Um, yeah. But the board, my friend, you know I'm rooting for you. You know I've been rooting for you since we had jacked up crews and. and <laughs> yeah, yeah, we used to we used to get it done though. We we had that chemistry. Find a way, find a way. All right, well, thanks so much for kicking it with us today. 
Yeah, man. Thanks for yeah, having me. Appreciate this. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thank you to this week's guest, Tim Scarborough of the basketball tournament, which is coming this Saturday. Thanks also to our producer, Bruce Bernstein, the GOAT, and our editor, Ben Wolfen, also the GOAT. Please check out the other Pure Hoops media shows. This week, the Mike Wise Show features part two of his conversation with one of the most animated analysts in the game, Hall of Famer, Bill Walton. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams has a new show each Tuesday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin is back on Wednesday. And their guest this week is Seth Partnow of The Athletic. BJ Armstrong, who played with Michael Jordan, by the way, is back with Eric Newman on the Pure Hoops podcast that drops every Friday. Their guest this week will be none other than NBA star Antonio Davis, whose solid screens helped Reggie Miller make it to the Basketball Hall of Fame. That was also interesting because Reggie Miller, that shot that he hit against Jordan, that was pretty interesting too. Wow. Can you focus? And, focus. <laughs> and Monica and myself are back next Thursday with a brand new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. That was great, King. You're really a star on your first podcast. All right, my turn. Um, people, listen, we are nowhere near close to out of the woods when it comes to COVID-19. So please keep all of the various medical professionals and essential workers in your thoughts and prayers. They are the ones putting it all on the line for us, and they truly are today's superheroes. Continue, don't be hard-headed, to follow social distancing guidelines, wash your hands, and wear your mask. It's a sign of respect for yourself and others, so y'all stop playing. Please, please don't stop or let your attention fade from the work of social justice with our fellow citizens of all races and religions who are striving for a more inclusive society that benefits us all. If you like buckets, boards, and blocks, please subscribe, rate us, review us, and leave a five-star rating because it would mean a lot, and I would thank you tons. We would thank you tons. Until we meet again, my good people, for myself and my co-host, King McClure, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.